Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 181. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today, talking about video games. We actually have a decent list of stuff this week, so I'm, I'm, I, hopefully this won't be another scrappy episode <laughs> as we uh, as we go forward, uh, into, into, or hopefully going for the, into the, the rest of the year, we won't have too many scrappy episodes. Um, but yeah, just to kind of start as I normally would, uh, I've been playing a couple games. Uh, I'm still playing Left 4 Dead 2 with my, my group of friends, and I don't really have anything to say or add on to what I've already said about Left 4 Dead 2. Um, I, actually, I kind of do, but it just... I, I think I would rather take more time to think about it and and then pl- see more of the game before I, I talk about it too much more. So kind of shoving that off to the side, but we're still working on that uh, every week. Um, and I also took the time to pick up uh, Whiskey and Snowboard. So um, I originally wasn't going to buy this, or at least I, I was kind of pushed off from buying it uh, because it was like 30 to $40 on Amazon. I was like, oh, that is a steep price. Um, but if you go to eBay, it's significantly cheaper there. So I went and just went over to eBay and picked up a copy. Um, and if you don't know, the original Whiskey is a game it was maybe probably my game of 2019 um you know aside from the fact it didn't come out but game i played of 2019 uh because it's just like this really relaxing uh i guess vacation style game where you're at this ski resort and there's a lot of like objectives and quests that you do um and then you can also like you know get rankings for going down different types of slopes and things like that so you're just kind of skiing up and down this ski resort and accepting quests and doing little objectives and and you know getting higher ranks um, and like there's these little cute NPCs that have dialogue and there's like little fun bits of dialogue that kind of in a, in, a, in a silly way kind of culminates into a a final story point that I actually really liked in that game. But it's this very charming and relaxing game to play. And um, Whiskey and Snowboard, it definitely feels like they they tried to they looked at Whiskey and said, how can we make this bigger and better? And how can we um, kind of make the player's time seem more efficient in terms of like how to how to like collecting quests and and completing them and things like that. And I think it kind of ruined the magic of this game a little bit. I will say I've only played about an hour or two of this game. So it's not like I have like the full context of the entire game itself. Um, But what they did was they kind of just like put all the quests in one spot or the majority of the quests in one spot. Um, So you go down to like the bottom of the hill and you get a quest and then you kind of either get teleported up to where you need to be for that quest or you kind of climb up the hill and then go do the quest and then and then it'll teleport you back down the hill. Um, But what that ends up happening, what ends up happening is that whenever you start the game, you just kind of start at the bottom of the hill because that's where everything to do is. And then you only go up to certain areas if the game asks you to. Where in the original game, what I loved doing was just starting at the top of the hill and just like skiing down and seeing, you know, what I could find as I went down. And, you know, as I go down, also getting better rankings on the individual courses. I don't see any course ranks in this game either. So I don't know if they removed that feature. Um, But it just seems a little like they, they... like the things that I liked a lot about Whiskey was was just kind of that natural exploration that you had and how the objectives were peppered out in a way that encouraged you to explore the entire mountain um, in a very casual way. And this game just just seems like they're like, hey, you know, it's too hard to find all these quests, so why don't we just like throw them all at the bottom of the hill? Um, every NPC just has a list of quests you select from and. Um, from what I saw, the dialogue seems to all be the same. So it's just like you don't get as much of the charming dialogue and things like that. 
Um, so it's a little disappointing in that regard, um, but it is improved in a couple ways. One is that you have two mountains. So originally I thought maybe this was just going to be like a whiskey expansion pack, essentially, because it is called whiskey and snowboard. And the big thing is that you can use a snowboard now, which I will say about the snowboard controls. They're basically just the, the ski controls mapped onto a snowboard and it doesn't it doesn't convey the same sense of, you know, when you're you know swinging the controllers up and down for like a ski and you're using the, like the, you know, the, the whatever those things are called, the stabby things to kind of move your force forward self on a board on a ski you do the same thing for a snowboard to move forward which doesn't really make sense because you don't have that kind of pole action so it's like you're like jumping forward basically and the motion just doesn't match up to that now i will say there is balance board support for this game so maybe the balance board makes a lot more sense for the snowboard stuff um but i don't have a balance board right now i'm on, I'm on the fence of whether or not i'll grab one or not um, I kind of wanted to get one for this game. I did, I did have one. I just don't know where it went after I moved. I, I asked my family and they said they have no idea where it is. So it's uh, off somewhere. And I don't really like the idea of a used balance board. I don't know if I want people's feet, people's used feet on my balance board. <laughs> but but we'll see. I'll think about it. Um, so there's the, the ski resort itself. I was worried that that was going to be just a copy and paste of the original ski resort. Um, and it's not. It's a new ski resort. Um it doesn't feel as good so far. It feels like it's it's more, you know, a couple, some of the things like in terms of it feeling lively comes to the fact that there's no quests or there's very few quests spread across the, the top of the mountain. So like there's not a lot of reason for you to explore it and it just doesn't feel like there's a lot happening because you aren't really finding little quests and things like that as you go down. But another part of it is I think We Ski did a good job of having a good mix of like really like man-made kind of competition level ski hills and then also going down to more like just like a nature path kind of ski hill that you just kind of ski down because it's like you know relaxing or something right this game feels like it doesn't have a great um range of that it feels like a lot of the ski paths are more natural focused and there's the then there's a couple that feel more like um more like ski resort ones, but, but it's like really heavily leans into the natural kind of thing. Um, and then there's also an additional mountain as well that you can go to. And this mountain, um, is kind of pitched as, Oh, this is not a ski resort. This is just the raw mountain. Like this is raw nature here. Um, and so you kind of ski down this mountain, but everything looks the same on this mountain. So it just, it's, it's, it's like very slight things like that, where, where it just doesn't feel like there was the attention put into, you know, the the diversity in the environments and then also how you navigate down them and the, the um, you know, how much they like the the, the in incentive for you to explore. They don't really have have a great a great balance of that, unfortunately. So I don't know. I know. Like I said, it's only been like an hour or two. So maybe there's more to it. I think there's definitely more exploration stuff in this game. I have a feeling that there's a lot more secret paths where there's only like one or two in the original game. Um, cause I, I at least found one early on and it seems like the, the natural mountain or whatever, they, they have a lot more, um, I don't know. It seems, it seems like it's a lot more open in a lot of ways. So, but it just, it just kind of comes off as that there's not much variety on it. So we'll see. I I'm kind of on the fence of if I want to really commit to Wii Ski and Snowboard right now, I feel like it might be a good time. It's been about a year since I played the original Wii Ski and I, I think I'm kind of like interested in playing a game like this right now. It just kind of kind of feels right. Also, it's a, you know, snow game. And I like, I like playing snowy games during the winter when, it, when it's all cold, although it's not cold enough right now, <laughs> but, um, I'll have to see. I don't remember how long the first game was. I feel, I feel like it was probably like eight to 10 hours. 
Um, I don't really know what the end goal of this game is either, because the original game, you like collected stars for completing objectives, and this game doesn't seem to have that. But there seems to be some other random stuff, like you can get the thumbs ups or something, where it's like if you go do different achievements or something. But I don't know if those achievements are core progression or if it's just, you know, we, the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 are big and the Wii doesn't have an achievement system. So let's build an achievement system into our game, right? So I don't know. I'm a little disappointed so far. And maybe I'll cut, like, I'm always happy for a game to do, like, take a different approach or whatever. So I don't want more Wii ski per se. Um, but I kind of feel like they looked at the parts of the game that were the Wii ski strength and basically threw out those out the window in favor of trying to expand the game in a way that I think kind of hurt hurt its original um i guess purpose for me or at least original the things that make it make it like good right but again i wouldn't want just a whiskey too i'd want something that feels different so this definitely feels different it just doesn't feel just doesn't feel better so far so i don't know but i think the exploration part might just need to be me we were rewiring my brain or at least firing or finding the ways that um there the game incentivizes you to explore that the original game may not have um or that maybe differ from the original game, essentially. So yeah, that's kind of it for games I've been playing outside of uh, some pickup stuff. If I, I mentioned it last week, but I, I went ahead and created a a uh, pickups video for the stuff I imported from uh, Japan Retro Direct. So that is going to go up Wednesday this week. I had to kind of record it in a different format because I had some audio issues. So it's going to be more podcastish like of me see- here recording in your face, basically. Um, because the microphone setup I have for the other room where I'm like, you know, pointing the camera at the table... Um, it's just not really working out well and I was having a lot of issues and, and I might need to just kind of rethink that setup in general. So we'll, we'll see in the future what I end up doing with that. Um, another thing that I want to kind of talk a little bit about was, and this is something, I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast before, was my Nintendo. So if you're not familiar, there's been kind of this history of Nintendo having a, um, rewards program in some way. So the original one in America, I believe, was my Nintendo, or at least the one I was first registered for. And this was before Club Nintendo. And it was basically you could register your games and you get like some wallpapers. Uh, you can also get like multicolored styluses for for I think it was like Kirby or maybe it was Brain Age. Uh, there's also like the the like feather stylus for for Phantom Hourglass. So you got like some physical rewards. And then in Japan they had Club Nintendo where you could uh, I believe similar to the club Nintendo that America, you kind of build up a currency and then kind of trade those in for points. And you, I think you could also enter like competitions and things like that. And eventually we got that in the U S and we got some physical rewards from that. I actually got quite a bit from that club Nintendo thing. You know, I got a lot of the like calendars and stuff that you'd get, you know, kind of like, like if, even if you didn't get enough points every year, they're just like, here, have a calendar, man. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I got like the Mario hat. I got the Majora's mask puzzle. Um, I also got the game and watch collection two uh ds release i need to get the original game watch collection one ds release if it's not that expensive but the two has parachute and octopus and i got various poster sets also that giant ar card or whatever so so there's a lot of like physical stuff with club nintendo and then they kind of shifted over to my nintendo again a different my nintendo but that same branding um and it was a very a very boring service in a lot of ways. It, it just a lot of the stuff you get was usually digital rewards or like discounts on games on the eShop and things like that. And I think it just kind of killed a lot of people's enthusiasm on on that that kind of thing. Um, but recently, I started looking at my Nintendo again, and I noticed around the time of Xenoblade and Paper Mario, they started introducing some physical rewards, um, including a Xenoblade keychain, uh, like a sticker set, 
I think there's like some Paper Mario origami paper, as well as some other like poster card sets and things like that. So it seems like they've been kind of wrapping that stuff back in. And recently I found out that they started adding like a Zelda notebook you can get there. And you can also get like an Animal Crossing bandana, um, as well as like reusable Pikmin stickers that you can, they kind of pitch it as like putting it on dishware or something. I don't know if there's anything special about that per se, um, but essentially they're like, hey, put little Pikmin on your cups or something. So it it seems like they're going back to more of a physical approach to rewards and things like that. And so that kind of got me looking at my Nintendo again. I was like, Oh, maybe this is something I want to do. And I did like a couple months ago, try to get the Xenoblade Chronicle stickers just because I was like, Oh yeah, sure. I got, I got enough points for this. Get some free Xenoblade Chronicle stickers, but unfortunately uh, you have to pay shipping. So it's $5 shipping. So uh, for Xenoblade stickers, I was like, no way, man. <laughs> um, um, but for the Animal Crossing bandana, I was like, actually, I'll pay the $5 shipping for that. I So I went and got the Animal Crossing bandana, and it looks like you can bundle stuff together. So if you get enough My Nintendo points, you can bundle it together, and then it seems like it's just like a flat $5 shipping, at least for the smaller items. So you could bundle enough stuff together that you can probably get some cheap stuff cheap enough. But it might make me continue to look at that My Nintendo reward system a bit more, because I... I definitely think the physical uh, rewards are something that I've always kind of preferred and kind of found fun from those. You know, it's mostly useless junk for your house, right? Um, but I, I do think that that stuff's pretty neat. And so I, I think I'll continue to check in on those and, and maybe continue to try to get some My Nintendo points. Now, the, the thing is, is that like a lot of the ways you get My Nintendo points comes from playing Nintendo's latest video games or their mobile games, and I'm not playing any of those things. So, <laughs> so you know, it's not like I'm getting a, a ton of points. But they do have some like more straightforward ones, like they have a weekly login for, for Wii U and 3DS. If you log into the eShop on the Wii U or 3DS, you get points, but not the Nintendo Switch bizarre thing you know that probably shows you the last time nintendo was really thinking about my nintendo um but you know it's a it's a way to get points if you're a wii u if you're a wii u and 3ds owner right um so yeah it's pretty cool speaking of useless junk there's the shinmu 3 complete edition that recently got announced from limited run run game let me actually open this up because i actually can't fully remember what's in here um i'm actually kind of surprised like Maybe not surprised. Like, this is kind of the way physical games have gone recently, right? Where it seems like the longer you wait, the more... It's like one of two things. You either wait a long time and you get the the game you should have bought, but you didn't buy uh, is super expensive now. Or you wait a long time and then something better than whatever you purchased comes out. So they basically are doing a Shenmue 3 Complete Edition. Uh, and this Complete Edition is like this big box for the PlayStation 4, essentially. It includes all the DLC on the disc and everything, which is pretty cool. I actually, um, depending on how cheap the Complete Edition on its own gets, if they do a physical copy, I might pick that up just to get all the Shenmue 3 DLC. Um, and they also have a bunch of other like junk in there, too. Like There's like uh, little figures or like the little... Um, little chickens that are in the game uh there's also a for some reason a dreamcast jewel case for shenmue 3 so i guess you can put that alongside your dreamcast shenmue 1 and 2 discs um and it's just like some other stuff in here a vip card a five inch die cast sort of seven stars replica that seems like something you could you could indeed have it looks like a sword okay you can get yourself a sword like a map anyways it's just like a bunch of stuff um i'm kind of curious who would be buying this today it seems like even though it's up for pre-order right now and they have a limit of 3000 it's still not sold out which gives me the impression that maybe this thing uh is only appealing to a very specific audience that is numbers less than 3000 um but you know i i just kind of 
Uh, well, one, I'm not a big collector's edition person, so this isn't really relevant to me. But it, it just kind of like co- continues to magnify the weirdness of physical games at these days. Um, I, I I know I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I'm really interested in Onichambara Origins, which came out on the PlayStation Network for $30 in the US, I believe. Um, but then it's actually getting a physical release in Asia with English on it. And it's just like, do I wait to see if the, the US version gets an English release or a physical release? Or do I buy the digital version or do I import the Asia version? And I'm starting to lean more towards just importing the Asian version because that, that is a physical version of the game that does exist. And I know I'll I want to play it eventually, but 70 bucks is pretty pricey. I haven't really done many Asian imports, um, but I do know $70 seems to be about right for the prices of those kind of things. So I don't know. We'll see. I might kind of wait and see. I don't really buy much from Play Asia, but um, I heard that they do have like sales fairly frequently. So maybe during the holidays, I can get a copy of Orichambara Origins for more normal price, right? <laughs> um, also don't know what their, their shipping costs look like. So so yeah, just the, the whole situation with physical, just it's like an ongoing thing of just like I... It's just becoming more and more of a headache, and it's not going to get any better, unfortunately. So it does make me really question the fact that I aim to get physical for almost everything possible. Um, and sometimes I'll make purchasing decisions to not purchase something because it's not not physical sometimes. So, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, uh, other, other news stories this week um, or really small stuff here. Not even really news stories. You could probably hardly call it news stories. But things that caught my eye this week when I was flipping through the news. Um, Ball in Wonderland is planning on using like the PlayStation 5 triggers for the different costumes and stuff. Which if you don't know, the triggers on the PlayStation 5 have like a haptic feedback kind of thing. Um, so I'm curious to see how that implementation works. Yuji Naka basically just says, we're doing it. Um, but he hasn't said anything else. You know, I think all or most PlayStation 5 games do something with those triggers. So it's not particularly surprising that they're doing something with it. But I kind of feel like a game... Like, I feel like Yuji Naka and, and the type of game Ball in Wonderland is might try to use those triggers in kind of somewhat creative way to kind of convey a sense of feedback to the player. Um, whether or not they actually do anything with it is kind of a whole other thing. Um, so I might kind of keep an eye out to see what happens there. It's not enough to get me like a PlayStation 5 or something like that. I'll probably get Ball in Wonderland on PS4. Um, but it is like a, it is one of the first times I sat there and go, go at like, huh. Maybe I want the PlayStation 5 version of this game rather than any other version of the game, which maybe is is leading into, you know, the the inevitable decision that I will eventually will buy a PlayStation 5, but I don't think Ball in Wonderland will will be the one to do that, but it is just like another sign that, that I'm probably going to end up leaning that way despite really kind of wanting to go with the Xbox because of backwards compatibility and the fact that, you know, Xbox is in second place, so they got to do more to, you know, make their consumer happy versus uh Sony who is, you know, when you're on top, you don't have to do nearly as much to 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 appease your fan base, basically. There's also like some weird story. <laughs> so yeah, like there's these story chapters that come that have been coming out for Ball in Wonderland. They show like the opening cutscene for each chapter of the game. And there's basically like different worlds. It's like a Mario style game where you jump between different worlds and each world has its own story. And it has this very like mid 2000s Sonic Team CG animation kind of feel to them. Uh, the first two or the first one I think was like a farmer who's like in a field and like he's he's just making food and like a dark tornado kind of comes in and just starts tearing through his field. Uh, and then the, the, one of the other ones is like this girl who is like very much like showed to be like an introvert and like these girls are laughing at her, but she's like, um, playing with these bugs or whatever. And then eventually the bugs get giant and there's like this dark aura around all the bugs. So, um, you know, basically, you know, pretty, pretty, I think straightforward story stuff, but, uh, the best one is, 
I think, chapter two's introduction, which is a girl swimming with a dolphin, and then the dolphin hits her and knocks away her oxygen tank, and she, like, fall, falls down into, like, a dark portal. And then the next scene, she wakes up in the hospital room, and she has a picture of her and the dolphin torn in half on the floor in the trash can, like, with a trash can knocked over, and she's, like, on the hospital bed crying, and I'm like, man... This this sure went somewhere. <laughs> Anyways, I was just like, man, I don't know. It's like I I kind of respect the kind of like story that a game like Ball in Wonderland's trying to set like to do. Like, I I like Rodeo the Sky Soldier, and I like its story. It's like this weird mix between like very adolescent storytelling, but then trying to do something more with it. It's something that feels very similar to um. I kind of I think Gunvolt and the Mega Man series kind of rub up against this in some ways where like often the stories they're trying to tell are very simple, but they do it in like very melodramatic ways. Um, and and so, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing seeing Yuji Naka do that again. That's a, that's a fun thing, or at least his team do that again. So Battle in Wonderland, I think that comes out in March next year. I'll probably get the PlayStation 4 version. We'll see if I play it at launch or not. It's really, really probably just going to depend on what's going on around that time. If I'm busy with other things or if I, I have some free time to just check out a new game kind of thing. But man, uh, that trailer was like the, the first, that was like the most exciting thing for me from Ball in Wonderland is seeing this girl on a hospital bed with her dolphin picture ripped up on the floor. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm ready for this video game. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, and then when I was looking through the news, I saw some other mobile games like, <sighs> All these mobile games look like I've always felt this way. Like all these mobile games look really cool, and either they're a genre that I absolutely don't care about, or if I do care about them and they look really cool, and I, like I would totally play this. They're on mobile, so unfortunately, I just probably am never gonna play them. Like I don't know. I, I spend so much time looking at these games. It's just like these games are for, forever, never going to be played by me, and because they are, you know, reliant on why or uh, uh, online services, it's just like it's not like I can revisit them in fifteen years, right, or something like that, and be like, oh, check out this. Check out this, I don't know, this game called, what was it called? All You Need Is Money, and this game is like a weird, like, multiplayer arena fighter kind of thing, but it's just got this really extreme aesthetic with, like, these very um, over-the-top character designs. It's like the dude that's just, like, in a thong with, like, these big muscles, and he, like, has a, I think it's, like, a wine bottle or something that he drinks, and he, like, creates a giant flame head version of himself that he shoots forward, and there's just this, like, that super busty lady with, like, twin twin pistols, and, like, this dude who just likes an, look like an overweight Naruto with blue hair. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. I'm going to link the, the website on, on the description for this podcast, but go look up all you need is money. Cause I don't know if my verbal communication of what this game is could properly describe what's going on here. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those games that like, I love everything that's going on stylistically here. I love the school bus has school like crossed off. And then it says like, like gang written over it instead or something it's just like so so extremely cheesy and and it's just like oh man this game is totally not something i'm ever gonna play but i i'll I'll look at it from afar and really appreciate it um another one that i'll do that same thing with is mia's everyday joy of cooking so it's based off some manhwa i think a korean manhwa uh called uh are you going to eat or something like that and it's just basically a manhwa about um um different types of food recipes. A lot of it's very heavily based around tofu because the character in the story, at least, is, is super into tofu. Just very, like, cute, wholesome kind of uh, uh, manhwa. If you, if you ever read Salty Studios on Webtoons or um, the story of... What's, the, the English name is, like, something different, but I, I remember it being, like, Story of Someone We Know or something like that. The, I think the artist is named Omyo or something like that. 
Um, Salty Studio and that that other series is really good in my opinion. Um, and, and so this is just kind of like a more cooking focused one. And this is like a puzzle game based off that. So it has all the really cute aesthetics of that series. And, and it's just like a super, you know, I don't know. It's, it's almost like coloring book kind of way in terms of, of, of it's like how it feels colored in, but it's like very nice art overall, little chibi characters and stuff like that. So it's, it's just really cute. And, but it's like a pretty straightforward, I think cooking puzzle game where you're kind of matching different vegetables and fruit together. It's just like, I'm never going to play that. Um, another thing that I was looking at was Star Smash. I think actually Rowan Carmichael was tweeting about this game. I think he was playing it. Uh, I think this is where I found out about it. I was like, what the heck is this? And it's this very like Kingdom Hearts looking tennis game on mobile phone, except for it's not Kingdom Hearts, but it is, it is Disney. So you get like these very, um, anime Disney looking characters, like, like any human in the anime series or in, in any human in the Disney series gets like an anime aesthetic overhaul, which is kind of a, a fun thing. Um, and, and, and as somebody who prefers anime aesthetics over Western animation and things like that, um, or Japanese animation over Western, uh, I, I, t- I do like seeing like, you know, uh, Hercules be this kind of like beefy dude with like this kind of really, I don't know if it's crazy, but like this, this hair that almost has like a flame effect to it in some ways. It's, it's, it's kind of neat, but it's like still really close to the original character design in a way that they're very recognizable, but they just kind of have like this, this little anime twist to them that I, that I really enjoy. There's this other game called like Twisted Wonderland, which is like about, uh, EK men kind of thing. So handsome men as well. I don't know what Twisted Wonderland is as a game, but this tennis game is basically just like, you just kind of move a character back and forth. You have different specials based off it, you know, the different Disney characters. So Woody will appear on screen and be like, ah, oh, and he's, he looks he looks like Woody. He doesn't look like an anime Woody. Um, and and then he'll give you like a special power up shot to like shoot balls at the um the enemy. If you ever played like uh Mario what was that? Mario Tennis Superchargers or something like that for the for the Switch. Um there's like that story mode where you're kinda like fighting monsters on the other side of the court and things like that. Um it, the game looks very similar to that where you're kinda far fighting these things that very much look like Heartless from Kingdom Hearts. Uh you're finding that with like tennis balls and special skills and things like that. So it looks it looks pretty cool, but yeah, it's just those three games and, and in general mobile games. I like I look at them like, man, these look great. These look like something I'd totally be interested in. But the fact that they're on mobile, it's just mobile doesn't really fit into my lifestyle. Um, so I just don't, I don't play them. It makes me sad. It makes me very sad. So <laughs> thankfully there are 30 billion other video games in the world that I have plenty of time to, uh, to obsess about otherwise. Um, anyways, that's it for this week. Uh, in terms of what's coming up, uh, like I said, I had the pickups video coming out on, uh, on Wednesday this week for December featured content. Um, I haven't really been thinking a lot about it, to be honest. I think I've been busy kind of thinking about a lot of other things regarding the website. Um, I've also been cleaning up some stuff on the website in terms of old content and that's kind of just kind of distracted me. Um, so we're not going to get like a traditional video or something. Um, I know earlier in the year I had promised that I would kind of do like a Japan wrap up kind of stream or video or something. So I might revisit that and see if I can kind of rush that to be in a way that I could present it. And maybe we'll do a stream because that'd be the easiest way to kind of, you know, do it without too much work. If I, if I record it locally, I have to do a bunch of editing and stuff like that. But what if I, what if I just do the least effort possible, right? That, and it's like a year later, so I don't know if anybody actually cares. Um, admittedly, nobody's been able to go to Japan since then, basically. Um, but yeah, so I might relook into doing something like that. So so early December, we can have something that'd be considered featured content. Um, but it, may, it, it probably will not actually be any real featured content. So we'll probably start looking at what we can offer for January. What we can offer. The, the we of the we of onecontrollerport.com. That is I. 
Um, so, so yeah. Um, we if you didn't see it last week, we started streaming uh, Industrial Agents op or Industri Industrial Spy Operation Espionage, which is a Hunex kind of. Um, I, I don't really know how to kind of describe it. It's like a, a stealth simulation kind of game where you're like a bunch of robbers going around a bank and you're using a bunch of menus to go and like look at different environments and interact with different computer systems and hack them unlock doors and things like that so it's a it's a really neat and unique game uh unfortunately it ran into some problems where apparently i had locked myself out of beating the second mission of the game and didn't realize that so wasted about an hour running around the uh the room without or the the building without knowing that i couldn't complete the mission at that point um so we'll see if that continues to be a problem with that game but i do really like the aesthetics and style of that game so even if you don't watch that whole stream i would recommend going in and checking out uh what industrial spy looks like uh game did not review particularly well but i'm very much enjoying it having a lot of fun uh with that game and it's, it's aesthetics as well so that's that. And then uh, the week after this week, uh, I'm going to have a uh, family pirate party casual review going up that I did, uh, that I created a couple weeks ago. So that's going to go up on the website. And then, uh, yeah, I just been, you know, I, I'm kind of doing a lot of editing of old content on the website. So, so there's some things that you're not really going to see for a while. One of my main goals with editing the old content was once I was kind of done with it, I kind of want to create categories on the website in a way that you could kind of select different categories by console, uh, franchise, developer, things like that. I don't know how realistic that is or isn't. Um, so we might not be able to complete that, but that is, that is kind of the ultimate goal of cleaning up a lot of this old stuff and, and creating stuff, creating a way for you to kind of find content on the website that isn't just by date or something or just by searching. Right. Um, so I would like to do that at some point, whether anybody cares about that, you know, I, I have not looked at the website numbers in a long time. I'm guessing very few people are going to the website, given that the YouTube channel is basically a hundred percent, you know, covering all the content we're putting out for the most part. Um, but you know, I, 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 as an archive at the very least for all this stuff, I like having a way for you to kind of search around for stuff a bit easier. And that was kind of the main goal of the website is to kind of give stuff more legs rather than just, you know, the most recent of content, right? Um, so, so yeah. Anyways, that's it for this week. OneControlWar.com is the website, and I hope you have a great week. Bye!